0: Right. so uh, I chose the book of Acts. Now, if you really want to get into it, David, where are you at right now in the book of Acts? Uh, chapter, 12. chapter 12. And you've only been in the book of Acts for how long? A year. A, a, a year. So if you really want to go deep in the book of Acts, you go to Dave's class. He teaches a wonderful class on Wednesday after Tuesday. Tuesday afternoons. But we're going to take the book of Acts and we're going to look at it. Uh, I won't take a a year to get to chapter 12, I promise you that. Now we're going to move along through the book of Acts. But uh, I really thought it was a very appropriate, because the last time we were in the New Testament, we were in the book of John, right? And John talked to us about Everything that was about Jesus, right? The Acts of Jesus. And honestly, if I was going to name this book, I would call it The Acts of Jesus Christ Through the Apostles. Because really, that's what it is, isn't it? This is a continuation, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. It is a continuation of the story of Jesus. He is just working in us. He's working in the apostles. He said, listen, guys, I'm leaving. Matter of fact, in John chapter 14, remember, John spent the last half of his book on the last week of Jesus. And the majority of it was, was in the last day that he was alive and he was talking to his apostles talking to the 11, saying, guys, listen, listen to what he says in chapter 14. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you after a while, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father And you in me, and I in you. Wow, if that doesn't give you a little bit of excitement, I don't know what, we need to go back to joy, joy, joy. Right? Christ in me, the hope of glory. You see, the day that we accept him as our Savior, he enters us and lives through us, lives in us. And because he does, who else? The Father. And we're going to learn today not only the Father, but the Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity living in us to give us the power that we need to live this life. You know, some people say, oh, Jesus is just a crutch. Hallelujah. Because I'm crippled. I'm broken. I need Every ounce, of th- every ounce of God to get me through this life. Otherwise, I would be in despair. And later on in, in chapter 14, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we, we, We'll come to him and make our abode with him. Don't you love that idea? He makes his abode in us. He camps out with a, right inside of us. He says, I'm going to live within you. And our job is to live him out. So when we look at the book of Acts, I would say... It's the acts of Jesus Christ through the apostles. And if we were to look at our lives, it would be the acts of Jesus Christ in, and you put your name. Let's do that right now. The acts of Jesus Christ in Ben-Ashley. And in each one of us. That's what God is doing so let's come to Acts 1-8 and we'll read this and then we'll talk a little more about this book of Acts. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after he had, he, after he had by the Holy Spirit Given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said. You heard of from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the epochs, which the father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So, let's talk about this book of Acts. It's written by who? Luke. Dr. Luke. Because If we'll remember, he says, he says, what? The first account I composed, Theophilus, about what Jesus began to do and teach. Well, what's that first account? Well, let's look over at Luke chapter 1. This tells us who our author is. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, Just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seems fitting to me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write this out to you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So, He's writing to Theophilus. Theophilus is a Greek name. And he's writing to this young man who obviously had some sort of religious training. He had been taught. And he says, I want to give you an accurate accounting of Jesus. And he says, I'm going to give you a consecutive. We're going to start at the beginning. And we're going to work through. So isn't that wonderful? We were just at uh, Christmas time. Where, Where were we? We were in... The book of luke that he starts and says hey jesus the story of jesus he goes even back he says i'm going to go back even before jesus is born because there's this guy by the name of john the baptist and that's part of this whole story and he says i'm going to tell it to you from the beginning so this is really luke second luke we could have first luke and second luke right Luke is writing to this young man Theophilus and he's telling him in in Luke 1-4 he's telling him hey listen I want you to understand what happened after Jesus left because he did some amazing things and so in in Luke as Luke begins to pen this out He tells the story of the apostles. Now, one of the interesting parts of of Luke, or of of Acts, is that he actually quits early. He, He ends in about 62 A.D. while Paul is still in prison. And one of the things we know about Paul is that he didn't die until 66 A.D. And he was led out of prison for a short time, and then he was rearrested and went back to prison. So Luke actually finishes about 62 AD with Paul still in his first imprisonment. But as he writes this story, he's going to track the gospel being presented just as Jesus asked. Because in verse 8, what does he say? He gives them a plan. He says, I want you to teach first where? Jerusalem. And then where are they supposed to go? Judea. And then Samaria. And then finally, the remotest parts of the world. And we're going to watch in the book of Acts as the gospel does this explosion. And it's a beautiful story about how God works. But one of the things that he told them to do was he said, wait. Wait for what? For the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus ask him to wait for the Holy Spirit? Well, he promises him what through the Holy Spirit? Power. Power. And we're going to look at and a little bit more of all that he he asks of them, but there's a particular reason he asked them to wait because he, he tells us what He says Jesus was on the earth for about forty for forty days, and that he gave many convincing proofs that he was the risen Lord. He says, forty days. now, to understand this we have to understand. The Jewish festivals. When did Jesus die? At the Passover, right? So they, one of the reasons that, that they took him to, uh, they took Jesus to, uh, the, to the, the Romans was that they could not do anything with him on the, on the Passover because they would become unclean. Now, people from all over the world would come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And then they would stay 50 days for the next festival, which is Succoth, or the Festival of Weeks. And what the Festival of Weeks was is the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So 50 days from Passover to what we call what? Pentecost. We call it Pentecost, 50 days. Jesus said, listen, I want you to wait for the next festival. Because what happens at the festival? Everybody will be there. And we're going to see when Peter preaches the first sermon. There is people from literally all over the world that are in Jerusalem at the time that they preach this first sermon on the day of Pentecost. So Jesus asked him. he says, I want you to have the most powerful message at the most perfect time for the gospel to go out. Now we're going we're gonna to actually see in just a minute that he had already given the 11 the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in, in one of the uh, great commissions that he gives. So he says, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then he says what? He says in verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be Baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is that? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because some people, if you go to some churches, it, it, it's a different, it's a special act that happens and, and certain things will happen, but I got news for you. That's not the truth. Because Jesus is very the the Word of God is very specific about the fact that every believer is baptized by the Holy Spirit. First of all, John, remember what he said? John the Baptist, John baptized with water. Well, what did John say about it? In Mark chapter 1, verse 8, just as John the Baptist speaking, I baptize you with water water but he Jesus will baptize you with what the Holy Spirit so John the Baptist said Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit well what did Jesus say about that in John chapter 14 once again Jesus is talking to his apostles in this last time before he goes to his death he says I will ask the father And he will give you another helper. Notice that's capitalized. Who's that helper? The Holy Spirit. That he may be with you how long? Forever. Forever. Oh, wait a second. You mean once I receive the Holy Spirit, I can never lose it? Absolutely. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not see him who's Jesus, doesn't see Jesus, or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be where? In you. In you. Now we just saw, what did he say before? Christ is in me. The Father is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. They all abide in every believer. Paul, in his writings, wanted to confirm that. Because they kind of had a problem. The Holy Spirit, as they presented the gospel out, the Holy Spirit would be endowed on those who received. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. Paul is talking, he says, For even as the body... That's us. The body of Christ is one. Yet many members. And all the members of the body, though they are many, are what? One body. So also is Christ. For by what? One spirit. We are all baptized. Oh, wait. What is that word? All. A-double-L. All inclusive, every one of us, we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. You see, just because we have a different name on our church door out there, we're all one body. We've just decided that, oh, well, we can't get along with each other, so we're going to put different names on different. We're one body in Christ. And we have one baptism. Again, over in Ephesians, as he speaks to them, he says, There is one body and one spirit, just also as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, and through all, and in all. Every believer is baptized by the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't have to seek for another gift. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and you receive it the moment that you receive Christ as Savior. He is in you. Now, how well you use the Holy Spirit, how well you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, a lot of times that's up to you. And we'll talk about that in just a minute when we talk about this power that God gives us. But Jesus also gives them a new direction. First, he said what? Wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm not, you know, I want, you, until you have the Holy Spirit, don't go out and try to do this on your own. Don't, don't try to, if you ever tried that, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this ministry. And God says, uh, nope. Oh, yeah, I can do it though, God. I can do it. And you go out on your own power, and God says, no. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if God is not within whatever you're doing, you're going to fall on your face. Because it's it's God in us that is the power. And he's going to give them a new direction. Now, I want you to understand the Great Commission, quite often people will see, that's Acts 1-8. Jesus actually gave the the great commission is recorded in different ways in all four of the Gospels and the book of Acts. So in Matthew, he says it this way, and Jesus came up and he spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And when Jesus gave this to them, what's the very first thing he says? No, he says, I give you all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and I'm going to give it to you. You have have your marching orders. This is General Jesus saying to his troops, you're you're marching under my authority. It's like the judge will give us what we call uh, a writ of habeas corpus. It says, habeas corpus present the body. That allows me to go out and tell somebody under the authority of the law, I'm bringing you to the court. Jesus says, under my authority, I am sending you out. Go. Go. Make what? Disciples. And he goes on to tell us how we do that. Teaching them. That's part of disciple making. First of all, he says, baptize them why because that's identifying with christ and then he says once once they're baptized then teach them and i am with you and then in mark his is pretty short in mark chapter 15 and he said to them go oh there's that word again he doesn't say go sit in church right He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We're to go and preach out there. We don't, oh, well, we just want to invite everybody in, right? Because that's comfortable. Come to church and hear the preacher preach. Well, God says, you go And you preach. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get up and do what I do. It can be as simple as saying, hey, let me share with you what God has done for me. That's what it is. You are sharing the good news of great joy. Isn't that what we saw at the Christmas story? It's what the angel says. I bring you good news of great joy that Jesus is born, and that's the story we tell. Well, in Luke, he says this, just thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to where? To all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am what? Sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He says, Listen, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to be my witnesses. Where? To all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Well, in the book of John, John says to the disciples, So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, and this is interesting. Only John records this in the Great Commission. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now isn't that an interesting concept? The eleven who he's talking to were given the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. But it will be revealed because how many were in the upper room? 120. It will be revealed to all and it will be sent in great power. But Jesus breathed on them even before the day of Pentecost. Well, then we come to 1 8, Acts 1 8. And as we look at Acts 1 8, actually, let's go back to verse 7. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the epochs of the father is fixed by his own authority. Because they were asking what? Is the kingdom coming? Are we going to be establishing the kingdom now? Because what were they thinking? Well, he's going to immediately come back and establish the kingdom. We're going to kick the Romans out and take over. But he said, no, you you won't know. And if you're, you know, there's a lot of people out there today that are writing all kinds of books about, we're, you know, to, to, God's going to come back. And we've, if you've been, if you read anything, uh, you, you follow anybody that says, oh, 2023 is when God's going to come back because of this and that. He said, no, you're not going to know when I'm coming back but you need to be prepared. You need to be about my business. But then he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even the remotest parts of the world. So I want to look at this great commission that we have that God has given us. First of all, I want you to understand the commission is personal. What did he say? And what's it say? You. <laughs> it doesn't say the church, because isn't that the way most people think of it? Oh, the church, is, church has the job of evangelism, the church has a job of preaching the gospel. The church has the job of sending people out. That isn't what it says here at all. The church is not going to get established for 10 more days until the point where Peter preaches the gospel and 3,000 get saved. What did Jesus say? You, but you will receive power. Don't you love that? It's personal. He gives it to each one of us. He says, I'm going to give you the power to go. He says, I want you to take the gospel. It's not the preacher's job or the elder's jobs or the missionary's jobs. Those are distinct gifts within the church, yes, and each one of us has our place. But God says, you go. Come on. That's what he's saying to him. Let's go. And, and re- really, what has he already said? He says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to go with you. So get going. Literally, it says, while you are going, in Matthew chapter 28 says, while you are going. What does that mean? In everyday life, wherever you're going, look for God's opportunities to say, hey, God loves you. Can I share with you a little bit about how God has shown me his love? I am so thankful that I am not who I used to be. You know, sometimes God gives us reminders that we don't have very long on this earth. On Friday, I got word that uh, one of of the gentlemen that I played football with at Lebanon High School died of a massive stroke, 65 years old. One One of the most powerful fullbacks I ever played football with, and he died Friday. And then yesterday, I got word that one of the men that I worked with at Albany Police Department was the Deputy Chief Phil McLean. He was one of my mentors. He was probably one of the people that taught me more about police work and uh, he died sitting in his chair at age 70 in Kingman, Arizona. You know, what that, you know what that does for me? So God, God's telling me, you, 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 keep, you get to preaching. You get to doing the sharing. Because you never know when God's going to say, you know what? I'm calling you home. Your job here on earth is done. You, I've given you the, the opportunity to, to share your word with me. My daughter one time, we were on a whitewater raft trip, three-day raft trip. And, and the first night we were in camp, I, I loved those times on the river. It's perfectly quiet. We would just finished dinner, and we were sitting, uh, sitting around camp. And my daughter looked at me, and she says, Dad, what do you fear? Now, that's, that's not something you just pop off the top of your head. And I sat there for a number of minutes, and, I, and I'm like, going, what do I fear? What do I fear? And I looked at her and I said, my biggest fear is that I would do something so bad that God would put me on the shelf and not use me. That is my biggest fear. I don't, I don't fear dying. Some people said, well, well the dying can be a terrible thing. That's, just, that's my ticket home. But the biggest thing I fear." Is that I would do something and God would say, I'm done with you. I'm going to put you on the shelf. And that I would live my life not being used by God. It's personal. God calls us to do his work everywhere. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to do it. The next thing I want you to see about this commission is it comes with power. The power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, that is, that word is what? The same word we use for dynamite. I don't know, has anybody ever had the chance to blow something up? I mean, that's pretty cool. We were, when I was in high school, my best friend's dad was a construction, a logging construction. And so we would go up in the mountains on him on the weekends, and we would cut wood, and then he would be doing his job. And one day, he, there was a huge boulder. I mean, it was huge. It was in in the road, and they had to get it out of the way so they could get around the corner to where they needed to go. And so he drilled all the holes, and he put the dynamite in there, and he ran it back. And we were back behind the truck, and he says, "Ben, do you want to hit the trigger?" You know, and it wasn't one of those. You know, I always like those big boxes, right? You know, this is just a little switch. And I'm like, "Can I?" And so we hit the horn. You know, that that we firing a hole. Hit that, and it goes, just, just, this whole big rock just shatters into thousands and thousands of people. I mean, it's flying up in the air, and probably three or four seconds later, it starts coming down. Now, you're really glad that you're as far away as, as you could be. That's power. That's the same word. I'm going to give you power to Go. But power's interesting. You know, that power was in that dynamite the whole time. But what did I have to do? I had to turn the switch. I had to send electricity to it to do what it needed to do. Now, here's the way I look at the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us all the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, I hope I don't lose you on this. But that's like God putting you in a car with a Hemi engine. Now, for those who don't know what a Hemi engine, it's big and it's powerful. So you get in the car that God gave you and God says, turn the power on, turn the ignition. You hear this underneath the, you know, I I won't tell you the bad things I did in high school. No, but that power is there. The power is there. Now, some people will sit in that car and listen to it idle. The power is there. But they will never engage in the drive. Wow, this is pretty cool. That power will also heat your car or air condition it. It will run your radio. And you can sit in your car and you can be comfortable and you can hear the beautiful music, but you never go anywhere because you forgot to engage the the gear shift into drive. Now, others will say, This is cool. I can go someplace. And they'll put that into drive and it'll be driving Miss Daisy. come on around, I'm okay. And they'll go on a Sunday drive for the rest of their life. They'll have the Holy Spirit and occasionally it'll take them to places. But then there's the third person. And I hope that's each one of us. We get in that car and we put it into gear and we go, all right, Lord, here we go. And you hit the gas. This is pretty good, God. All right, where's the interstate? I want to get out on the interstate. Let's test this thing out. Let's see how fast we can go. Let's see where God will take us. And if we allow God to, to, give, to use that power, he will take us around the world if we'll let him i would have never imagined as a as a little kid growing up in waterloo oregon that one day i would stand in the middle of a church in africa and preach the gospel that was so far beyond me but god says you know what i'm going to give you power and then i'm going to take you wherever you want it wherever i want you to go you if you'll be willing to go I will keep fuel in the gas tank and we will go places you will never believe and God has allowed me to preach all over the world. Because it's his power. And all they had to do was step on the gas. Okay, God, let's see what this thing can do. And God will take us places. He will do things through us that we can only imagine in our minds and he says listen I want you to go well the next thing I want you to see is the commission has presence it has the presence of the Holy Spirit he looks at us and in Matthew he what did he say when Jesus gave him the great commission in Matthew he says and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have the presence of Jesus Christ. We're not out there alone. We're not when if you share the gospel with somebody and they say, I, I don't I'm not going to believe that. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. He's the one you're sharing. It's his story. That's what the gospel is is, His story. He gives us presence. And then the final thing I want you to see is the commission has purpose. It has purpose. It's not just this willy-nilly power. He says, listen, I have a plan for you. And a matter of fact, in in chapter 1, verse 8, when he gives us... You can literally take the book of Acts and you can watch it as this happens. Because he says, first, what? He says, I want you to preach in Jerusalem. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? There's a, quite a few of you. Most, a lot of us may never go to Jerusalem. Is that what he's talking about? What is our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is right here. Our Jerusalem is our next door neighbor. It's people we're familiar with. It's people that we work with. It's the, it's the person down at the diner where we go to have breakfast or, or somebody that, that's our Jerusalem. It's right here. It's right now. We know them. We're comfortable with who they are. We have already have a connection You know, it's interesting to me that when you look at the, at the apostles, quite a few of them were related, weren't they? It was Andrew that first went to Jesus, and Andrew brought who? Peter. It was James and John, right? And, and some people believe some of the other of the apostles were, were brothers. You see, quite often, family is the very first Jerusalem we need to go to. And sometimes it's the hardest because they know us. Now, if God has made a change in your life, that may be pretty easy. What happened to you? You know, God calls us to those who are closest. And where do we go next? He says, go to Judea and Samaria. Not that far away. A day's walk, maybe two days' walk. Go to those who are nearby. You don't have to learn another language. You don't have to, you don't have to expend a lot of energy. You can probably go home and sleep in your bed. That's pretty easy to do. And that's where he sends us next. He says, I want you to get you out of your comfort zone. Because it's pretty comfortable sometimes in Jerusalem. We know all the streets. We don't have to put GPS on to find our way around. We're familiar with it. But he says, get out of your comfort zone. Do you know God does that to us on occasion? Get out of your comfort zone. Come on. I want to work in you. I want to give you this power. Get out of your comfort zone. And then finally, finally, what does he say? Even to the remotest parts of the earth. That takes effort, folks. That takes change. Change is pretty hard, isn't it? Change is probably one of those things that we resist the most. Well, God, you really want to send me to the remotest parts of the earth? Well, I think that's what He said. Are you willing to go? And who knows? God may have some place special for you to be. Sometimes God sneaks up on us and says, Hey, how old are you? Oh, I'm 65. Well, I want to give you a new address. And I want to challenge you to learn a new language. I want to challenge you to do something that your kids are going to go, are you crazy? When I was in college, I spent uh, a summer in Australia, a team of 12. We all went over to Australia from Liberty University, and we went all over the place. And I happened to be at a church in Cronulla, which was right outside of Sydney. And I was working with youth. I got to speak, and all the. They have uh, one hour of religious education in every public school. And I would go every week and I'd teach everything from kindergarten to uh, their high school. And uh, everybody wanted to see the American, the Yank. And I got to work with the church's young people, and I came back. And, and I mean, I was like going, I thought Oregon was unchurched, man. And uh, a year later, Pastor Cosgrove, that was the pastor that was there, he had moved to another church in Brisbane and he called me up. Now that was in the days when you didn't call people, <laughs> you didn't call people overseas because it costs a lot of money. It's not like you can get $50, you can get your international plan on your cell phone, right? He calls me up and says, hey, I'm at a new church in Brisbane. I want you to come be my youth pastor. Whew. I'm like, wow. And I went home, I talked to my folks, and my folks were like, my dad, are you crazy? There's all kinds of churches that need youth pastors here in the United States. So I said, but dad, that's not the question. The question was, they're asking me to come. Well, because of some issues with the Australian government, I wasn't able to go. But I, when, when that invitation I came, I'm like going, okay, God, this is going to be interesting. I was, a, I was single, easy to go. I, everything I owned, I could put in two suitcases. It was Okay. But God says, No, I'm going to shut that door for you. But I had to be willing to go. I had to be willing to say, Okay, God, if this is your plan, you're going to part the water, so to speak. There are times when God calls us to do things that are so far out of our comprehension that we, like, oh, I, I just don't know God. But if we will allow him, he will change us. And he will send us to places that we have no idea that we would ever go to. That's the commission. It's for each one of us, it's, it contains power, and it contains purpose, and it contains the presence. Of Jesus Christ himself in each one of us. The question is, what will we do with it? It's there. He told us to go. But what will we do with it? Will we sit in the parking lot with the car in gear, very comfortable, listening to our favorite songs? Or will we shift into gear and press the power? Give it a little bit of gas and see where Jesus takes us. Well, as we come now to uh, communion, I want you to think about Jesus on that last night. All the things that we've, we've seen that he... He promised his, his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do all of these things for you. And then he, he took the bread. And he, and he said, listen, guys, I, I, need to, I need to let you know something. In a few hours... I'm going to do the greatest miracle in the world. I'm going to go to a cross and I am going to take the sins of the world in my body and I'm going to pay the price the penalty of sin is death and he said in a few short hours I'm going to accomplish that it's not going to be an easy road guys I want you to understand this what you're going to see in the next few hours will haunt your memories he said this is my body which is broken for you And it was. It was broken with the whip of the Roman soldier. It was broken with the nails that were hammered into his hands and his feet. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me.